Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Chris Goodland, the charity board gamer. With his family-friendly format, whether it be through Facebook, YouTube, or his Twitch channel, he and his family share their thoughts on games, enjoy time with the community, and encourage goodwill towards one another. I can tell you in this current environment, that is needed more now than ever. Chris, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Thanks. It's so weird. Like you actually have these prepared intros. I don't have anything prepared whenever I do interviews with people. I'm just like, uh, yeah, so this person does stuff. All right. Talk about yourself type thing. It's like, so screw not, it. We're going live. Yeah. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. So uh, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. That's our, uh, see now I've done it so many times. And now if I, if I don't do that intro, people are like, what's wrong with James? What's going on? How come he doesn't have an intro at the beginning of his, of his video? Oh. Oh, he's having a bad day today. Something's yeah. wrong. Is he mad at us? Yeah. Why isn't he doing an intro? <laughs> so welcome. Uh, I thought, um, you know, there, I live in Canada and there's this uh, this news station. Their tagline used to be City TV, we're everywhere. And every time I see you uh, on any of the social media accounts, I automatically think of that tagline. Chris, the board game, uh, the charity board gamer, you are everywhere. I mean, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, you are doing it all. And I can't eat, like, I know how much time I spend on it and I, you do way more than I do. So I can't even imagine uh, where you find the time, especially with a family and a job. So let's talk a little bit about that. What, what, what's your day job? Do you, you must have a day job, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I work for a hospital. It's a nonprofit hospital uh, here in Charleston, West Virginia. It's uh, and I help out with what's called provider data management. I help out with the different uh, databases related to yeah boring stuff that people could care less about hearing. But, um, you know, it's it, the main idea behind it is we try to make sure that if somebody is sending a patient over to the hospital, I'm taking a look at the database, I'm doing GSA and OIG sweeps to make sure that these people are legit, that they're not sanctioned. And, uh, and that we're also making sure on the other end that we're giving uh, great care. So if there's any reports or issues, we're able to create these report cards for all the physicians to basically say, hey, this this is what the this is what the people are saying. So we're able to make these things happen. Can you do any of this job remotely now with the with the pandemic, or are you still going physically into no. a healthcare facility? Back back in the hospital. Back in the hospital. Wow. Luckily, we're in a separate office area. But you yeah. know, every day I come across and I actually walk in the same line that all the all the people that are patients go in yeah. uh, when they're coming to visit, and uh, we all go through the same temperature screening and everything like that. They have extra masks for the people. Uh, in case they don't have the proper mask, that you have to have certain masks to be able to be in the hospital, and it's just a safety precaution because uh, certain things like the little um, cloth ones aren't really up to standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, it's 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 kind of nice too because you get to see the people that you're that you're helping, uh, yeah. and that that means a lot when you're when you're working in a business. So, well, let me say on behalf of the entire board game uh, industry, thank you. Like, oh, honestly, honestly, thank you. Like, this is to put yourself on the line uh, on, on a daily basis in, in a job like this. You know, you're helping keep other people safe. You know, whether you're the nurse or the doctor, just being part of that entire system and uh, mm -hmm. and literally putting yourself at risk. Um, I just, a whole heart, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Well, I mean, the, the way I look at it is I'm, I'm sitting in an office 
tapping on a computer. It's it's nothing yeah. compared to the nurses and doctors that are doing a lot. Like my niece, she's traveling from Virginia to California. She's actually helping out with COVID relief over there in California. Wow. And so, I mean, she gets to take these beautiful pictures of the Pacific Coast once in a while, which I'm jealous. But um, <clears throat> it's it's just amazing just the work that she's putting into it. She purposely is in the ER. That is where she wants to be. I would never put myself in the ER because that's where you see the most brutal and gruesome things. Yeah. But she puts herself out there day to day. If if anybody deserves the the love, it's our it's our ER department uh, sure. at our hospital and at other hospitals because they see it all, uh, yeah. especially at the late hours. They see it all. So yeah. Yeah, it's definitely trying times. Uh, so I mean, you've got this um, obviously love uh, of of the board game industry. Mm-hmm. where did that begin? Like, have you, has this been something your entire life? Or is this more recent history that you got into board games or take us through that kind of that history? Um, okay. So <clears throat> when I was a kid, we played clue, we played monopoly. Oh, there was high school Saturday afternoons playing monopoly house rule style with parking, <laughs> parking space being like the, the money that was in the center of yeah, the board, which I found cash, out later was game going forever. Yeah. I found out that that was not a real rule later on in life. But, uh, you know, after that college time, I was so busy with music, so busy with studies and everything like that, that it was not anything I really cared about. Um, Video games kind of took over. Music took over. uh, Just work. I was a server in college. And if any of you have served restaurants, there's not much time to breathe. There's not. Uh, especially when I, I worked in a Cracker Barrel, that place oh, wow. was crazy. Um, and that's back in the day when they had smoking in in, in Cracker Barrels, which was <laughs> there was actually a smoking section. Now there's no smoking in most restaurants. But like working restaurants most of my life, there was no actual times where I could really just kind of relax and take time to be able to play games. It wasn't until about 2018 I was invited to a church outing at our local church. And it was supposed to be a game night. My wife was interested in it. She had liked Catan before. I had no clue. It's actually pronounced Catan, if I'm correct. Um, I I was correct. I got Catan, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Canadian. I I got a weird accent. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, But but, um, 2018, we were invited to a game night. I was reluctant to go. I was like, really? I don't want to play Monopoly. I don't want to play these games that I played when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I just, I was like, okay. And so I went, played Pandemic, played uh, Werewolf, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, um, played Catan, played, what what was the other game that we played? Um, Dead of Winter, the, you know, games that I really just fell in love with. I loved cooperative games, just the mm-hmm. idea of being able to sit around a table and play something with somebody and, and have that kind of feel where it's not so competitive because I was very competitive when I used to play board games as a kid. And uh, I needed I needed to take that little edge off, especially when you have kids. You don't want to be ultra competitive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that's where the love of board games came back into it. So it was like middle of 2018, started getting into board games, um, was trying to figure out, OK, I can't afford all these board games. How am I supposed to um, find ways of acquiring them? And what what that came down to was um, I got involved with an organization called Envoy or Double Exposure where they demonstrated games and you demonstrate games and you got to play them and keep them. And so I worked my tail off to get a majority of the games on my shelf because I'm thinking to myself, I can't afford it. 
I can't afford it for my family to be able to just spend this, this money. And um, now I need to find ways to be able to, to do that. But so I, you know, Saturday afternoon would go to the game store, teach a game. And then I had a copy of it. That was awesome. It was really good. That's so, great. yeah, I've been loving, loving board games ever since. It's been a thing that's brought our family closer together. We've been able to sit at a table and just be able to on a Saturday night or usually lately Sunday nights as well, just kind of relax, play maybe one game, play two games. It depends on what the kids are feeling like. If they don't want to play games, I cry a little, but <laughs> otherwise it's good. It's a lot of fun. And how many kids yeah. you have in, in, in the ages? I've got three. 14 year old daughter she is logical smart wise she wants to go into law her uh, idol is rgb i mean that's pretty awesome that uh, rbg our ruth bader ginsburg yeah rbg yep. so uh she wants to go into law then i've got my son he's 12 so he's very much on that cusp of being a teenager he's got a little bit of the attitude but he's but he's definitely a loving kid he sees beauty in all things and then my youngest one is chaos um, that's Elijah and Elijah is 10 and, um, he is the kid that will go ahead and he will be like telling the cat, no, don't, don't be on the counter very nicely and just slightly pick her up and rock her and everything's like, that's not, that's not the way to do it, but that's how he does it. So that's how he is. He's, he's a crazy, crazy wild child. He loves to instigate things. So think about my daughter as the one who will be logical. Think of my son, who's very much organized. I think of my youngest one being like, hey, um, I see that you're very organized and just push it off the table. So that's that's my youngest. And how have you picked, um, like, obviously, you've been exposed to a lot of games now, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you have ages like that, especially on, on the younger side, right? So, you know, when you're, when you're getting kind of the, the, the preteens and so forth, and, and I know you've been doing this for a few years at least. Um, how, how have you managed that? Because different games when you have a spread of ages like that and you have adults playing with kids and then even the kids being spread in it, how, how have you kind of managed and coped with that to make sure that everybody's included and having fun? Like if you kind of limited the types of games you played to a certain level, or if you tried to get the kids to come up a level in terms of complexity or just how in general did you manage that? Um, I mean, for most of the games, they, they've, they've done fairly well, but the one thing I try to do is I try to find ones that they would enjoy. Mm. Um, I look for things that, you know, pop culture wise, You'll see there's certain IPs over here, like Die Hard. I watched Die Hard with my daughter not too long ago. She was excited about it. I actually taught that at, um, for USAopoly, uh, the op now at um, Origins 2019. Then you've got a game, like if I'm correct, that's Meeple Land up there. Meeple Land, I mean, who doesn't want to go to a theme park right now, especially in 2020 and 2021? Hughes and Cues, that was a game that just, it's, it's simple. It's easy. It's a party game. The kids adjust to it really well. Uh, Thanos Rising, cooperative, great game. Um, like, there's a lot of op over on this side. Uh, and then you'll see there's, like, all these other different games. Like, you've got Starlink. Starlink, it's a drawing game. You know, you're drawing constellations. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Planet over here, which it's just, it's fun and accessible. I mean, the, the main thing when we're looking, like, we're about to do family reviews, the, the part of it that I try to figure out is, okay, is this something that my kids would like? Um, if it's not, then I'm usually not requesting it. Um, we're, we're looking like right now at this one game that's kind of a fashion game. And I'm asking my daughter, is this something that you would be interested in? Because you would probably be the one that, that would be the one to, to give your best opinion on a game because it was made by 
uh, a tween. Yep. And so, and of course my daughter's a teenager and it involves a little bit of fashion and stuff. And so I'm asking her, is this something that you would be interested in doing a live stream of later on? And she said, yeah, yeah. And so I like, I'm going to probably email that person later saying, yeah, we'd be glad to go ahead and give that a go. Um, like games like floriferous, succulent, herbaceous. Those are very much in my daughter's realm. She loves the beauty of flowers and nature. Um, Ishtar, Gardens of Babylon. She likes that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's kind of how it is. Like they can play Wingspan. They can play Scythe. They can play all those games, but it has to be something that they enjoy. Uh, and that's that's the big thing. Like when we first opened up Wingspan, my kids were overwhelmed. They looked at it and they thought, there's a lot of components. There's a lot of pieces. But yeah. they also had just played before this My Little Scythe, with hat, which had a lot of different feels. And you've noticed that with Jamie Stegmeier's games, that once you understand kind of most of Jamie Stegmeier's work, yeah. you kind of get a feel for what the next game is going to feel like and what that next game is. So like when we got to Tapestry, they're like, oh, oh, this is another Jamie Stegmeier one? Okay, yeah, we got this. So that's that's kind of how the kids are. Do you um, find you, there's you can, a time limits at all? Like do you... Do you like I know with my kids, for instance, it's tough to uh, anything over an hour. And I'm like, okay, it's going we've, from we've done, family fun time to uh, this is people are <laughs> having short fuses. So uh, how's the think, family deal with the longer games? Yeah. So longer games, here's how we do it. Like we, we did Charterstone. We did basically a 12 month campaign in the course of 45 days, which was crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. We're, we're not doing legacy games like that again. Um, but when it comes time, like when the kids are feeling like it's a little long, Hey, if you want to step away in between your turn, if it's not a game where you have to be so involved, it's like, go ahead, step away. If you want to, like our one kid, he got on like this little scooter thing and he goes around the living room and he just kind of goes around back and forth. And then he comes around the dining room table. It's like, all right, Elijah, it's your turn. And then he comes back up and he's like ready to play. But I think one of the best things that we can do with our kids is be understanding that maybe, maybe, okay, let them be able to step away from the table and then come back refreshed. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen parents where they're like treating their kids like it's the law. If you walk away from the table, you're, you're ruining the whole game and oh, I'm a evil father type thing. Yeah. Like I saw that at origins 2019 and I was like, dude, it's, it's a hobby. This is a relationship you have with your kid. Yeah. Do you, which matters more, the hobby or your kid? Like I've told my kids specifically, I said, if there was a fire today, I could care less about this. Yeah. Plain and simple. I want them to enjoy it because I want them to want to play games. I don't want them to, to resent games. I don't want them to be like the kid who says, oh yeah, daddy, daddy loves me, but he loved this a lot more. That's yeah. not, you know, so like when we talk about these games and we talk about this hobby, it's a great thing. But at the end of the day, I want it to be something that they enjoy more than I do. So that's something that's, I strive for with my kids is like when I was when I was young, it was it it, would, it was almost like a ruthless style, right? Kind of like you were saying earlier, right? Uh, you know, yeah. edge where I mean, I grew up with brothers, right? So if we weren't literally fighting in the backyard, we're playing a board game, and and someone's walking away from the table mad. So like you know, the stakes were high, you know, for kids, and uh, you know now the industry obviously has evolved quite a bit beyond monopoly and risk and yeah. classic uh, table, table flippers. Um, but it's, it's trying to find games and balance that 
doesn't put them in the same mindset that I was at, at that age. Right. Mm -hmm. I want, like you're saying, you want them to be, to enjoy it more and see it more as a social, um, event. I mean, even I, I joined a, uh, like a meetup group, uh, which is uh, just, uh, just south of, uh, where I live here in Barrie, a new market called the new market, uh, board game meetup group. You know, you got 20 some odd people meet uh, a, a week right now. It's not going on because of COVID, but you know, when, when it was going on, it was a chance to socialize. And I could care less if I lost a game, you know, I'm high-fiving mm -hmm. people around the table because it's yeah. more about the, the, the social aspect of it. Right. And I think that, um, when, like you're saying, if you take it too seriously, you're, you're, you're moving beyond kind of what it was meant for in the first place, which is that kind of social aspect. Let's talk about the, the, the charity board game. So how did that come about? Okay. Charity, the charity board game, what is that about? Uh, and um, explain it to us. What is it? Okay. I'll start back with talking a little bit about my mom. Um, tell, tell you all about my mom, my mom, when she was alive, she was diehard caring about all people that she interacted with. It didn't matter who you were. If you were on yeah. the street, if you were at the mail, at the post office, believe me, we had the post lady come to her funeral. Um, wow. if she was at the, at the nursing home, if she was helping out at the mental, the mental, um, I forget what they called it. Then it was kind of like a nursing home for people that had different disabilities, like yeah. quadriplegic um and and things of that nature um i mean to the point where she would sit down and actually spend time with this one quadriplegic woman who could roll her eyes and nod a little bit to kind of help her form sentences like she had like a sheet my mom would actually go across the words and just help her and as she nodded or made different noises she knew what where to stop so i mean that's how she was she loved on people no matter what um, so I'll start with that all the way up till the day that she was on her deathbed, wheelchair bound, cancer ridden. She was loving on people come to today. So we've been doing outreach type stuff in the community uh, with local low income areas and stuff of that nature, where we're helping out with, with feeding families and, and, and that just as a family. Well, I got invited uh, right as I started getting into board games and stuff, I started doing Instagram and somebody reached out to me. His name was Patrick Higginbotham. He's non-zero sum games. For those of you who are on Instagram, awesome person. Um, invited me and said, hey, would you like to join a thing called Extra Life? I was like, what is it? Because I'm like, I'm like, okay, I don't know who this guy is really. I, I understand he followed me and I followed back because, you know, Instagram, we, we kind of follow each other in the board game atmosphere to be to to kind of, you know, create those nice acquaintances and relationships, which is good, uh, which reminds me, I followed you today. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but it, it's that idea, like he said, well, we're, what we do is we raise money for Children's Miracle Network. And I'm like, well, that's automatically cool. How do I do that? Yeah. You play games. And I'm like, are you serious? I play games and I raise money. So he said, yeah, this is kind of how the system works. You, you, uh, you ask people to donate, you play, you live stream it, whatever. And then people do it. So we, so we did that as a family. Um, we did a live stream thing where I played for 24 hours um, and I raised so much money for the charity. And that was really cool. Well, we did it again, uh, 2019. I was just kind of still getting involved in board games. I really hadn't decided, okay, I wasn't thinking reviewing. I wasn't thinking. Um, interviews. I was just enjoying board games, teaching board games and having fun with board games. Yeah. And uh, I was taking pictures of board games because it's like, Hey, I'm having a fun and time with my family. This is what we're doing. That's how we're doing it. Uh, and somebody asked me, Hey, uh, this is when I visited California for something for the hospital. 
and uh, it was a it was like a small medical conference for the software that we're using. And somebody's like, "Are you going going the reviewer route?" That was Jack. Jack, who's an amazing person. Jack, if you're watching, I love you. Um, but she asked me that. I said no. I hadn't really thought about it because I'd just been developing friendships with people. I've been saying, "Hey, you know, I've I've talked to these people. They've become Facebook friends. I've tried to create relationships." Hadn't thought about the idea of going towards reviewing or playthroughs or any of that stuff. I was just kind of enjoying things. So I decided, okay, well, we've been doing the charity thing a lot and we've been doing the reviewing thing. Uh, we, we thought about doing the reviewing thing and said, well, what about finding ways to highlight all the different things that we can do as a community? I mean, I got invited to Extra Life. I had no clue about Extra Life until I was invited and I had no clue about it beforehand. So I thought to myself, well, I bet there's a bunch of other nonprofits and charities that, you know, if somebody was given the chance to be able to jump onto it and help out with it, they would want to do it. So I started asking people uh, saying, hey, would you be interested in talking about a nonprofit that you want to talk about? If you want to talk about yourself, by all means, let's go ahead and do it. But let's talk about something that you like to support or something that you like to help. And that's that's kind of how the charity board game came about. I started interviewing people like Ruel Gaviola. Um, I reviewed uh, David Syme from Meeple-a-thon. Um, I interviewed uh, James Hudson. We talked about the Brown House. Um, you know, they're just different nonprofits. And it started out in a written form, and that was kind of neat. And I was like, I really am getting tired of doing the typing, typing thing. <laughs> um, I, I really, I, I really like. Don't get me wrong, typing back and forth is good because that's what I was doing. I was typing back and forth on Hangouts. Yeah. I was like, oh, typing. Okay. Copying, pasting, done typing and it was like back and forth it was good but then i thought to myself i want to have real discussions kind of like what we're doing right here yeah, we're just just chatting and just kind of making it something where it's enjoyable and then talking about the charity talking about the nonprofit as the final piece to be the the kind of the nail that that, that hits it all and puts it all together saying okay you can come over 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 and talk about whatever you want to talk about you want to talk about tin robot games you come on over and talk about 10 robot games. You want to talk about whatever games you want to talk about. That's great. You want to talk about the economy. Fine. It'll be awkward, but <laughs> you, want to talk, you want to talk about, but at the end, here's the deal. We talk about a nonprofit or charity that maybe you have supported or that you believe in that is worthy of a cause. And let's make that the final focus. And that's kind of the idea is the idea is we can gather I say it a lot. If we can gather at a table, we can do the same for a good cause. I don't know your belief system. I don't know your sexual identity. I don't know, um, you know, racial thoughts, uh, racial um, identity or gender or anything of that yeah. nature. But we can all gather at a table to play a game. It shouldn't be that hard. If we yeah. can do that at a table to play a game and have fun, why not do the same for a good cause? So, like, we'll have people on. To talk about different things, we've talked about Planned Parenthood with Danny Danny Lowe from Pandasaurus, which was a great conversation about how um, that helped her when she was in her college years. We talked about CAWC of Chicago with um, <clears throat> with Lauren Nepomuceno. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said it wrong, Lauren, forgive me, um, where we talked about how they helped her through domestic violence and finding freedom. Mm -hmm. We talked to Jade Rogers of House of Afros, Capes and Curls and how um, at a time where it, it is still hard for a person uh, that is a person of color to go into a convention scene and not feel like they're being stared at, uh, to instead to actually feel comfortable being in an atmosphere like that. 
Um, we, we talk about all these different things and, and, and it makes for good conversations, but it also makes people aware of, okay, there's so many good things that we can get involved with. Um, Crystal Dax came on, talked about the Trevor Project. I mean, it's an organization that helps out with, with uh, kids, uh, teenagers uh, in the LGBTQ plus community who are depressed and dealing with suicidal thoughts because in some of those situations they're getting kicked out of their homes yeah. and they need a place to go. They need something to, to comfort them and help them not take that step into, you know, not living anymore. So it's, it's just something where we've had the chance to be able to talk about these things and encourage people to say, okay, you, you, you maybe are trying to find a way to do something good. You can be a sword, fight for the people, fight for, a good cause. You can be a shield where you can help protect those people, or you can be a wallet. And that wallet is just that mentality of, okay, I, I can't be there physically present, but I at least can support financially. So that's, that's kind of where it comes from. And so we do live streams where we talk about different charities. Um, we also do right now, we've been doing live stream marathons where we just did a 22 hour marathon um, back in February, which supported um, the Givers and Gamers, which is the Ronald McDonald House Charities of the Bluegrass. Now we're going to be doing one April 9th and 10th, 24 hours for the House of Afros, Capes and Curls with Jade Rogers. And one of the things that we want to have in the Discord is have some educational things as well in the Discord for people that are just wanting to find ways to actually support the cause to be able to talk about it while they're in there. So it's kind of what we do. And looking at the, the charity, and uh, you say that is amazing uh just what you've been able to contribute taking a passion yeah really two passions right one is helping people and the other one is board games and, and bringing those two things together is uh it's pretty special um when you started i think it was more like actual physical reviews as you're saying you're typing and so forth and i've, yeah. I've seen on your your blog page is there any thought to continue doing that at all or are you going to move completely more towards interview-based uh content well, we, we started moving more of our reviews over to BGG. Yeah. Um, I, I've enjoyed the video comment co uh, content more. However, yeah. the reason why I like the written reviews uh, is because like, like, like you, like we discussed earlier, we both have teenagers. Yeah. The teenager doesn't want to be on screen. If she wants to be on screen, it is very special. Mm. Like we're doing floriferous again on the 27th. Uh, and she actually wants to be on the live stream. So it's, it's very rare that I can get a teenager on to to actually be on screen and that's okay i respect that yeah. so we're going to keep doing some of that written stuff as well just because it's more comfortable for them i don't want to make my kids ever feel uncomfortable yeah. when it comes to the hobby so it's cool yeah. I, was, I was going through some of the reviews and uh it's interesting to see each of your kids you know they're obviously different ages and you know, boys and girls uh the, their take on a, on a particular game and uh <laughs> You know, that I think this kind of unique, it's almost, it's got a bit of a tantrum house kind of feel to it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, it, it's cool. It, it's cool to see you guys take a game and kind of dissect it and, and come out from different angles. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it. That's how people play games, right? Everybody plays a game differently. And through their eyes, they're going to see that game very differently than the person to the right or to the left of them. So mm -hmm. seeing that same game through multiple eyes, I think is, uh, is, is kind of cool. Yeah. Where like when you, when you look at my wife's perspective, you'll see her perspective, yeah. not only from her own, but also as that of a mother of kids and how mm. she feels like it went with the children. Um, you'll look at Abigail's and she, she very much has that competitive nature. So you'll see that kind of come out. 
you'll see with Daniel, you'll see a lot of the colorful artistry of everything. Yeah. And then with Elijah, he will laugh about a card that says the word booty because it says <laughs> booty and it makes him laugh. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how we are. And where, and where do you see this going? So, you know, you've obviously got your YouTube channel, you've got your, your, your Twitch channel. Um, mm-hmm. Now with software, obviously you can simultaneously stream to multiple channels at one time. Yeah. Um, where, where do you kind of see this evolving to? What's kind of the next logical step for you guys? The, the next step that we want to go, uh, and this is, this is kind of where we want to be. We want to be out at the conventions, but we don't want to just be there doing the convention stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome doing like the media coverage and everything yeah. like that. Uh, to be able to have that experience is really cool. Um, plus being able to go and see the people that you've been longing to see since the last convention, yeah. which was way back when. Too um, seriously, a lot of you are getting crazy amounts of hugs when I see you um, with consent, of course. And then, <laughs> but, yeah. but the other thing that we want to do is we want to go out to these conventions at least a day or two in advance um, and try to go out around the area find a nonprofit that's nearby that we can actually gather with other people in the community and actually work with so if there's a homeless shelter that will have us help serve at the soup kitchen that day by all means let's do it if there's a children's hospital that's willing to let us bring some hobba games up there to go play with the kids let's do it if there's a senior center and let's be honest senior centers don't get enough love as it is why not bring some games and play with them so yeah. there's there's different organizations that definitely would appreciate just a volunteer one day, let alone five or 10 volunteers to come in that day and actually help out. So why not get involved? Why not do something before a convention and, and make it a point? You know, it's, we, we have the ability to let's, let's, let's get to there. So that's, that's kind of what we would like to do in the future is be able to find the financial resources to be able to go out there, do those things and, and actually help out those different causes before the convention starts. So, and, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Right? Uh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the sound of origins. I, I like that, you know, with everything going on right now, we, uh, I mean, I've had both of my vaccines, which is great, but of course a lot of people still haven't gotten their first dose, but they are trying to get to a level here in the U S where they're hoping that by July 4th, we can actually be able to celebrate outside with our vaccines in groups mm-hmm. And be able to enjoy cooking out and just enjoying the fireworks and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, of course, we're still going to be safe with the way that we do things. And, and my hope is that, of course, if it does happen and we are able to go ahead, and go to a convention. Of course, I'm pretty sure that most of these conventions are going to be still very cautious. Hand sanitizer at every station, probably. Temperature is probably taken before you come in the door. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, it's probably a good route to go because people are going to be touching board game pieces and other people are going to be touching them. You don't want to have a spread happen. So yeah, and I, you I want that to that. be a big event. That is a super spreader event. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Gen Con, Gen Con, 70,000 people get sick. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, I mean, and it's not con cred related. So yeah. And it's that no longer fun. That, that's that's no, that point. definitely not. Uh, so in terms of like, you've been involved now in, in, in not only the, the industry, but just the sheer number of games you've now played, right. Of different styles and mechanics and so forth. Any aspirations to, to create your own game or do your own kind of game development? You know, I, I've never really thought about it. I think the reason why I personally haven't thought about it is I've just been enjoying this. Yeah. Um, I've never really gotten to that level. I have enjoyed seeing the games as they're being developed. 
Yeah. Like I'm seeing one that currently uh, Michael and Christina are working on with Ben Moy and uh, for, for Pentry games. And like, it's just fun watching the process, but I see the amount of work that a lot of these people are putting into playtests. Like I just got done doing a playtest for another company and I'm excited about the game, but I'm thinking to myself, my mind is so ADD <laughs> that if I had to deal with this mechanic and that mechanic and trying to figure this out and play testing and stuff, I'm already doing a lot as a father and as, as, as well, just in my job. Um, and I'm also helping a nonprofit on the side as well. Uh, and then doing this. So my thought is, okay, I'm just going to take the times that I have as free time, yeah. savor it where I can, <laughs> and then get told later at two o'clock in the morning that I need to go to bed because I'm doing stuff on here. So yeah, I, I, I stay up a little late once in a while. So we'll but, categorize that as maybe someday <laughs> in the future. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> but there's so many other great designers. I mean, when you have 5,000 games come out last year alone, yeah. um, you know, you, you think to yourself, okay, is that really what I need to be focusing on? And my thought is, no, that's not my focus. My focus is more along, let's keep the charity stuff going. Let's keep that positive mindset going. Let's keep promoting goodwill towards other people and make something out of that let's let's not focus on the on the designing side because don't get me wrong there's a lot of great designers out there there's amazing publishers out there um i just haven't we we haven't thought of that as a family if my kids decide that they want to do something like that by all means but for me it will probably be this role of what i'm doing uh and if i do get involved in the industry it'll probably be in a different role um that is just somehow being able to help out whether it be IT related, community related, community management or um, public relations, something of that nature, because that's yeah. more along the lines that I would go. I, I don't see myself designing a game unless somebody twists my arm. So, yeah. Well, Chris, I, I just want to say thank you for all you've contributed to, uh, you know, to the charities you've been involved with and quite frankly, to the board game industry. I know you're an inspiration to a lot of people. If people want to uh, follow all your channels, uh, there's a there's a hyperlink in the show notes. They click on that. It'll take you to one of the gazillion channels <laughs> that uh, Chris <laughs> has. Uh, it's it's a hot list of everything from Twitch to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. One you'll, you'll see the same thing on most of them. You'll see, see yeah. the same thing on most. Check it yeah. out and uh, and if you can uh, contribute. So, Chris, thanks so much again, and I hope to have you back again at a later date. You take care. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.